0: Say amen to that. Indeed, there is no other king, and I don't think anything. That video really summarizes the message of the book of Hebrews, and uh, and really captures what we're going to look at today. So, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Hebrews chapter thirteen. Hebrews chapter thirteen, and we're going to look at two verses, twenty through twenty-one, that I really think takes all that you saw in that video and encapsulates it in two verses. So, here we are today, and we said Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, that's the answer, and sometimes it's said, uh, we as Christians, we we have the answer, but we don't always realize that people don't know know, what the question is. What's the question? And uh, as you see in your notes... I want to ask this question today and answer it from these verses. Why did God, why did God send His Son to die on the cross, be buried, and then raise Him from the dead? Why is that? And I would say to you that the big idea I want you to take away this morning is simply this God the Father raised Jesus up from the dead to be a blessing to all people. To be a blessing to all people. Now, for those of you that have been with us uh, with this Drawing Near series, this is a great way to climax and finish up that series or put the exclamation point on that series. We learned from Hebrews 10 that we can have confidence in Christ to enter into God's holy presence as believer priests. But we need to take bold action, right? And we learn that we need to take that bold action to draw near, to hold fast, to stay close to one another as an assembly, and to remain loyal and press on to the finish line. Well, the book of Hebrews ends with this blessing in verses 20 through 21. And what we're going to see in this these two verses is simply this, that taking bold action to enter into God's holy presence as new covenant believer priests is a, is a blessing that's made possible when Jesus was raised up. When Jesus was raised up, everything, every blessing that God gives hinges upon Jesus rising from the dead. Why did God send His Son to die, to live a perfect life, to die, to be buried, to rise again? It was in order to bless us, but it took Him being raised up. So maybe you're here for the first time this morning, and that's great. It doesn't matter. I'm glad you're here, because God the Father wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. So let's take a look and read Hebrews 13, and we'll read verses 20 and 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of his sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. And ever, amen. Now, just a couple observations about what we just read. First of all, I want you to see that it is a benediction. It is a benediction. It's a form of writing that is called a benediction. You say, what's a benediction? Well, it comes from two words good, bene means good, and diction, word. It's a good word. A benediction is a good word or a word of blessing. And also, this is a kind of prayer. A benediction is a prayer of blessing. It is a prayer of blessing wherein we ask God to bless His people. So specifically, the pastor-teacher that wrote the book of Hebrews, it's really a sermon that he had recorded and put down in writing, and he's asking God to bless the Jewish Christians That he has been writing to. And of course, God is the ultimate author of the Bible, and so God is speaking to us as well. Here we are in 2018. So it's a benediction that is a blessing, a word of blessing. It's a kind of prayer, and this is a closing prayer. Benedictions are closing, closing prayers of blessing. All right? closing prayers of blessing so he comes to the end of his sermon and benedictions often come at the end of a sermon the end of a worship service and he's basically giving a closing prayer of blessing and this is a beautiful easter blessing and so it's fitting that we're talking about it and teaching it on this beautiful Easter Sunday. So, it's a beautiful Easter blessing. Now, the structure of this blessing is real simple. Look in your Bibles. In verse 20, the basis of the blessing is given. Verse 20 is the basis, and he spends a lot of time talking about the basis. And then verse 21 the blessing is actually given, and it's a two-part blessing. And so that's what we're going to look at, and we're going to see the, ba- the blessing, the benefits of it, and how it's bestowed. The bestowal is a couple key phrases in there, two times. Once in verse 20, he says, through the blood of the eternal covenant. And then in verse 21, he says, through Jesus Christ. And so we have the basis And we have the benefits and we have the bestowal of the blessing. So let's take a look at it. Jesus was raised up to be a blessing. First thing I want you to see this morning is this. The blessing is rooted in the God who wants to bless us. The blessing is rooted in who God is. He spends all of verse 20 telling us about who God is. And when you take this, work your way through verse 20 like we're going to do, when you work through it, you see there's seven characteristics of this God. And by the time you're done looking at those characteristics, you're going to say, bring on the blessing. Because if this is is what God's like, whatever He has for me is going to be Awesome. Amen? So let's take our time and look at that. First of all, the first characteristic of the God that wants to bless you this morning is He is the God who rules over all. The God who rules over everything. It begins with, now, the God. And that definite article is there. This is the God, the one true God. The only person that can bless your life is God. And the good news is, he wants to bless it, bless us. Isn't that great? I mean, there could be a God, but he might not want to bless us. But the good news is, the one true God wants to bless us. Uh, in the 50s, I wasn't alive then, but I guess there, it was in the 50s, 60s, the big bopper. Well, God is the big blesser. He is the big blesser. Now, some of you are like, like who's the big bopper? You Google that, the big bopper. Yeah, Katie, you know who the big... Yeah, okay, there you go. The big bopper. Anyway, God is the biggest the biggest blesser of all. Now, let's take a look at five facts about God being a big blesser and here it is. God is a God who loves to bless his creation. God created all things in the first book of the Bible. And as He was creating it, like any good artist, He would step back and He'd say, Man, that's good. And He said it six times. And when He was done creating, here's what He said in Genesis 1.31. God saw all that He had made, and behold, it was very good. In other words, He's like, I'm blessed because what I've made is a blessing. Secondly, God is a God who loves to bless the people He created in His image. As much as He thought His creation was good, that which He wanted to bless was the pinnacle, the ultimate of His creation, and that was us made in His image. Do you realize in Genesis one twenty-eight, the very first words God ever said to humanity were words of blessing? That's good news. Okay, he said this, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God intended to bless people that they might fill the world with his blessing. Thirdly, God is a God who loves to best bless people who have even rebelled against Him. That's amazing. It's one thing to create Adam and Eve who are perfect, living in a perfect environment, and to say, you're being obedient, you're perfect, I want to bless you. But there's even greater news this morning, and that's this, even after they rebelled, God still wanted to bless them. So much so, as they went out and filled the earth not with obedient God-loving people, but with rebels who totally... God looked on the earth after they had filled the earth, and he said, there is nothing in humanity by which I want to bless. They are just full of sin, and so he brought the flood. And yet Noah, by the grace of God, found grace in God's eyes. Not because he deserved it, but because God wants to bless humanity, right? And so he has him build the ark and he takes him through and he he curses and destroys all of humanity but he keeps noah and his family alive and when they come out of the ark here is what he says to them in genesis 9 1 and god there's the word blessed Noah and his sons and he said to him guess what be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth listen I don't know what your past is this morning I don't know what you've struggled with this week I don't know where you are in your heart in relation to God but I know this God even wants to bless people who have rebelled against him number four God is a God Who loves to bless people from every people group. Isn't that good news? Every tribe, every nation, every tongue. It doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter what face you have. God wants to bless us. Now, you'd have to be a hermit and live in a cave if you didn't know that our world is more, our nation is more divided than ever, right? It's more divided, and race and ethnicity are the hot-button issues that are dividing people like never before, or so it seems to us. And we Christians often fail to show God's love for all races and all nations and all people groups. And we say we do. We know we should say that as Christians. But in the back of our heart, uh, back of our minds, and in our hearts, and what comes out of our mouth often shows that we don't really get it. But the Bible is clear. God loves all races and faces, all language and cultures. And even when we do get it right, you know, we, just, we say, oh, we embrace all people. and, and we're, Then we get all puffed up about it and we exalt ourselves over others who aren't so informed as us. And it's just, you know, we just need to grow in this area. Listen, if you don't have friends from other races who don't look like you, who don't dress like you, then you need to make some. Why? Because our God loves to bless all people groups, and He intends to do that. Remember Abraham, as we move through the Bible, he comes to Abraham. And those of you that are taking perspectives on Monday night, you know Genesis 12, 1 through 3. God blessed Abraham that he may be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And sometimes I think it would be good to get rid of the language of race and replace it with families, families of the earth. That reminds us that, hey, we all have one great-great-great-granddaddy, and DNA-wise, we all come from the same forefather. All right? And he's going to bless. Jesus comes on the scenes and says, Go make disciples of what? Every people group. And in the new creation, when God comes down and cre- and brings His kingdom, and in the new creation, there's going to be all these ethnic groups. We're not going to all be one color. We're going to be all these varied colors and all these varied cultures. And you know what's going to unite us is not race, but grace. That's the reality. We're going to all be one, not because we we work through all these issues by politics or by philosophies we're going to work through them all by focusing on jesus christ and know that we're all there by his grace and by his blessing number five god is a god whose heart's desire is to redeem a people out of the sin cursed creation in order to bless them in his new creation and i already told you The Bible begins, Genesis 1, with God blessing in humanity. And you know what's exciting? Go to the last book of the Bible. Go to the last chapter of the Bible. And some of God's last words in the Bible are blessing. Blessing. Listen to Revelation 22, 7. And behold, this is Jesus speaking, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. And then verse 14 of that last chapter of the Bible, nearly the last thing that God says to us in his revealed word. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. It's really amazing from the very beginning when he created man and blessed them all the way to the very end where there is once again entering into the tree of life and the paradise that Adam and Eve, but even better because it's glorified and God is there dwelling in all his glory. It's amazing. The God who wants to bless us rules over all. But this means, number two, for him to bless us, he has to reconcile us as his enemies, Look at number two. The God who wants to bless you is the God who reconciles his enemies. Now, that's good news. Okay? For God... Just, you know, when's the last time you prayed blessings on your enemies? You say, well, you know, enemies, that's a strong word. No, you know, the people you don't like. The people that irritate you. The people that you don't want to be around. The people that when you see them coming at work, you go down the other way. You know, the people that you never... You just, you know, we have them, right? Right? And guess what? That's how we are to God in our sin, and God wants to bless us. That's just amazing. He wants to reconcile with his enemies. Notice in the blessing in verse 20, it says, Now may the God, not just any God, but the God of what? The God of peace. He is the God of peace. That's just amazing. Now, we're all broken here this morning, so turn to your neighbor and say you're broke. Okay. And we're not. And you say, "Man, you're not kidding how broke I am," but we're talking. We're talking spiritually, okay? But not only are we broke, without Christ, we're enslaved to our sin. So you know, just turn to your neighbor and say, "You're a slave to sin." That just to encourage one another and be a blessing here a little bit. That's who we are. But listen, we're enslaved. At heart, we're rebels shaking our fists in God's face, and God says, and and, and aren't you glad that God is a God of peace? The God of peace wants to give you internal peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace that you can have in spite of circumstances. He wants to give you eternal peace. So that you not only have peace on the inside, but someday there's going to be peace in the new creation where things are made right, and guess what? They're going to stay right. Boy, wouldn't that be a beautiful day? See, we can structure our lives to have a measure of peace, but if if, if you've been trying that, how's it going for you? It doesn't stay right. Things don't stay right in this world. That's the kind of peace, but ultimately he's going to bring spiritual peace between his holiness and our sinfulness, and He's going to reconcile us. It's good news. God is a peacemaker, and guess what we are? We're peace breakers. He is a peacemaker. It's amazing that as you work through the book of Hebrews, and I think I gave you the verses from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 10, He has made purification for sins, He's provided the cleansing that we need. He has made the propitiation for sins. You say, What's that word? His wrath needs to be satisfied and He has provided a way for His wrath to be satisfied. Sacrifices for sins. God gave and paid the ultimate sacrifice. Forgiveness of sins. God's mercy freely gives us forgiveness. Bearing the sins of many. That's what Jesus did as our substitute on the cross. Taking away our sins. Uh, The prophet uh, John, John the Baptist, looked at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. The offering for sin. Jesus was the final and sufficient offer. Isn't that amazing? All of that is what the God of peace has done to reconcile us to himself. Wow. That's good news. That is good news. He has come to make peace. Now, how can we be sure that God wants to make peace with us? Well, that's number three. The third characteristic of this God who wants to bless us is that he is a God who raises the dead. He raises... The dead. Notice in the blessing. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead, and it comes, turns out at the end of the verse that it's Jesus. Now why is this good news? There's nothing that can stand in the way of God who wants to bless us. Think about this. There's nothing that can stand in God's way. So we often think, well, if you knew what I have done, God could never bless me. No, He raises the dead. If you knew what my background was, God couldn't bless me. No, nothing stands in the way. He raises the dead. If you knew my secret thoughts, if you knew right now, if you knew right now my secret sin that I've been nurturing and I've been practicing, and I have been hiding, and I am fearful to ever bring it out in the open, you would, I would tell you, God cannot bless me. And the reality is, nothing stands in the way of God blessing us. Not life, not death, not our sins, not your past, not your present, not your future. Isn't that good news? Now, it says in our verse... God of peace who brought up from the dead. That's a beautiful word. Brought up. It literally... The idea is bringing up from the depths all the way to the heights. It, he, it, 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 it's, it's the idea. A little stuttering there. The idea is that God went all the way down to lead Jesus all the way up. So it's not the usual word for resurrection. It's being led up. And the beauty of it is... God can reach down to the depths of where anyone is and can lead them up to the heights of where he rules. He raised and led Jesus to sit at his right hand. And when you accept Christ, guess what? You are in him seated in the heavenlies. That's just good news. That's just good news. This is the God that wants to bless you today, and he proved it. "...on that first Easter by raising and leading Jesus up from the dead." The God of peace, in order to reconcile with His enemies, reached down to the lowest depths of death and led Jesus up to the highest place at His right hand. Now, why could the resurrection take place? The, now, this is what gets interesting about this verse. Number four, the God who wants to bless us is the God who redeems sinners by the blood sacrifice of His Son. The God who wants to bless you redeems sinners by the blood sacrifice. Upstairs, we're going to talk about the power of the cross. Well, here it is in verse 20. Notice, look again at your Bible. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead through the blood. Now, this is interesting. The means by which... This is the only place in the New Testament that kind of words it this way. So this is very unique. And basically what he's saying is the power to resurrect was provided on the cross. And sometimes we, we, we separate these things. Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. But the reality is this. God couldn't have raised Jesus if His crucifixion hadn't been a sufficient sacrifice for our sins. The whole idea is because Christ fully paid the price for the sins of the world and because Jesus was a sinless sacrifice, big message in the book of Hebrews that we've been looking at for these past weeks, it's because his his blood paid the price that God could raise him. That's pretty amazing. So here's what I want you to think about. This verse says he was raised up to be the good shepherd, right? Do you see that? He was raised up to be the good shepherd. Well, he couldn't be the good shepherd until he became the Lamb of God. He had to first become a sheep like us and be a spotless sacrifice. And once he became the Lamb of God, then he could be raised up to be our good shepherd. And that's good news. Number five, this God who wants to bless us, Is the God who ratifies his promises in the new covenant by his blood. So we think about him shedding his blood for our sins, but what we forget is his blood uh, inaugurated, started, established, sealed a new promise from God to us. That's cool. All right? In fact, turn your Bibles, look at Hebrews uh, chapter 8. Chapter 8, he talks about it. Look at chapter 8, verse 8. Well, look at verse 7. Chapter 8, verse 7. For if that first covenant, that's the old covenant, the Old Testament, had been faultless, there would be no occasion sought for a second covenant, a new one. For finding fault with them, he says... Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant. And that's what he did in his blood. Now go to chapter 10. Go to chapter 10 and look at verse 15. Chapter 10, verse 15. What did this new covenant involve? Uh, what, what, what What was the promise that God made in this covenant? A covenant is simply a promise between two people. And covenants and promises and contracts in those days were sealed with blood. And so notice it says, And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart and on their mind. I will write them. He says, and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. We really focus on the blood providing verse 17, but we forget that the blood guarantees that we can have a new heart that is committed to doing the will of God. So here's what happened under the old covenant. And if you watched it last night, 10 commandments, right? Here's what God requires. And guess what? The people couldn't meet it. The people couldn't meet it. And so that brought cursing and that brought wrath of God. And so God said, since you can't keep it, I'll keep it for you. And he provided his son to do the will of God perfectly. And when he shed his blood, he said, now that blood guarantees that anybody who believes in Jesus, I will give you a new heart to do my will. You'll be able to keep my commandments From your heart. Wow. This is the God who wants to bless you. You say, but I can't do his will. And God says, that's okay. Because my blood guarantees that I'll do my will through you. Does that make sense? Six. What does that mean? It means that the God who wants to bless us, number six, is the God whose son reigns as the great shepherd of His sheep. The God who wants to bless you is the God whose Son reigns. Now notice, again, look at verse 20. May the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep. So, I, I, I'll say it again. The spotless Lamb of God died on the cross so that He could be risen and ri, ri, uh, be ri, rose, be be risen. Be led up. Let's just say it that way. Be led up. Be led up to be the great shepherd of the sheep. Now, what you got to understand about shepherds is in the Bible, shepherds were rulers. Why? Because when you were the shepherd, you told the sheep what to do. The sheep don't tell the shepherd what to do. And we get that backwards as Christians. We love to accept Jesus as Savior and then proceed to tell Him what we want to do with our lives, right? But the reality is, he's a shepherd, we're the sheep, and so we, he rules over us. You go, I don't think I like that. You know, we as Americans don't like, de- uh, uh, we don't like monarchies. We like democracies, and we move that into our Christianity sometimes. You know, God says, do this, and you say, well, I'd like to vote on that. And I said, no, this is, this is not a democracy. This is a, a theocracy. God is in charge. But here's the good news. A shepherd rules sheep to do what to the sheep? What does a shepherd do for the sheep? He feeds them. He provides for them. He guides and leads them. He protects. There you go. You just did it right there. That is why Jesus wants to rule over us. He wants to guide us through this world so that he can feed us, lead us, intercede for us and to keep us. He wants all of that, but you got to listen to him. You know, what's interesting is when Jesus was here, he said, "I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Follow me." So this is so who is this great shepherd? Who is it? Is it Buddha? Is it Muhammad? Who is it? Well, number 7. The God who reveals himself through his son, Jesus Christ it's very interesting that the basis of the blessing in verse 20 ends with Jesus our Lord and the benefits of the blessing end in verse 21 or include through Jesus it's all about Jesus you know what's cool God can bless us because of Jesus and guess what God blesses us with Jesus that's really cool who is this Jesus? Why is he Lord? Well, I want you to turn back to Hebrews chapter 1. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 1 and look at verses 2 through 3, or maybe I have—I may even have it in your notes. If I have it in your notes, you're fine. This whole letter starts out with establishing who Jesus is. Notice what it says. In these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son, "...whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world, and He is the radiance of His glory, God's glory, and the exact representation of God's nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power." That same word is the word of blessing that He's going to speak to us. "...when He made purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of of majesty on high. Our video said Jesus is the only king because Jesus is second to none. Now, here's what I want you to do. Step back, take a big breath, and realize this. The God who wants to bless you this morning is this God. And guess what? There is no other God. But He's the kind of God who has done all this so that He can bless you this morning that's just really cool But what are the benefits what is the blessing okay this is really I mean uh, well first of all you're getting the idea kinda the blessing is God himself like if he didn't even do anything more that is sufficient these seven things that we looked at but what are the benefits verse 21 look at verse 21 here's the blessing there's two benefits to it equip you in every good thing to do his will "...and working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ." Wow, here's the benefits of the blessing. This God who rules, who reconciles, who raises, who redeems, who ratifies, who reigns and reveals, this God is at work in us to, number one, to equip you with every good thing to do His will. To equip you to do with every good thing to do His will. So we have a king, we have a shepherd king, and we're to do his will. Well, guess what? He equips you to do what he wants. You know, most people at work, and I hear this mostly uh, a lot from men, you go to work and you're told to do a job, and what happens? You're often not equipped with what you need. Go do this. Yeah, but we don't have the resources. Go do it anyway. Frustrating. Well, here's the good news. God hasn't asked you and I to do anything that He hasn't first equipped us with every good thing in order to do it. That's just amazing. Now, you know what's amazing? The same word equipped that you find in verse 21 is found back in chapter 10. Look at chapter 10 and verses 4 through 10. Chapter 10, verses 4 through 10. And... If you look at those verses, it says this, verse 4, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when He comes into the world, when Jesus, that's referring to Jesus, here's what Jesus says at His incarnation, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you prepared for me. You equipped me. Same word. You equipped me for a body. So this is what amazing. Why did He need a body in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will. Now think about this. God equipped Jesus with a body that he didn't have so that he could do his will. And in doing his will on the cross and rising from the dead, now God equips you with the body you do have so that you can do his will. Wow. So, why do you have a body? Yeah. How, how's that been going for you? Is it easy to do His will? No. In fact, in ourselves, we can't do it. But what's the good news? God is blessing us in order that we might have every good thing to do His will. He gives us the Word of God. He gave us His Son. He gives us His Spirit who writes God's will on our hearts he gives us the people of god to encourage us he gives us everything we need to do his will wow but even if god gave us all the equipment we still wouldn't be able to do his will because on our own we're always rebelling against him so the second blessing is this to enable us to do what is pleasing So he equips us with every good thing, and then he enables us by working in us the very thing he requires. So let me give you an illustration. Who's your favorite artist? My favorite artist is Rembrandt. I'll never forget the time I got to go to Amsterdam, went to the Rijksmuseum, largest, probably the largest collection of Rembrandt paintings, stood in front of a Rembrandt, not by digital, not in print, but the real thing, and just was awed in that. Now, it would be like Rembrandt coming and saying, now, here's what I require of you. Here's my will for you. I want you to paint as good as I do. How would that go? That would go very poorly. Now, there are some people who have replicated Rembrandt's paintings. They come very close. But Rembrandt's human, and other humans can't do that. But think if, if someone said, okay, here's what you got to do. you got to paint. Rembrandt's saying to you, you got to paint as good as me. You say, I can't do that. And Rembrandt says, that's okay. I'm going to equip you with all the materials. I'm going to equip you with all the training. I'm going to give you the canvases. I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you... I'll be right there with you, walking you through it. How would it turn out? No. But what if Rembrandt said, not only am I going to equip you with every good thing to paint like me, but I am going to be able to be inside you and paint through you so that you can paint as good as me. Would that work? Yeah, it would work. That's what God has said. God has said, look, for me to bless you, you have to be as good as I am. And you're like, I can't do that. And he says, that's all right. I'm going to give you everything you need. You're like, I still are not doing it. We have more Bibles in this country than any other country in the world. And we ain't doing too good. But what if God said, not only will I give you everything you need, but I will dwell in you and work through you to do your will. Could we then say, I can't do it? No. That's the blessing. That is the blessing that God has, through Jesus Christ, equipped us who believe in His Son with every good thing we need to do His will, and then comes and lives in us to do His will through us. Wow. Now, basically, Paul said the same thing to the Philippians. Turn your Bibles Philippians chapter 2. Turn your Bibles Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 13. These are probably two of the most important verses in all the Bible. These are verses, especially this Philippians 2, that I go back to over and over to make sense of the Christian life. I think these are some of the most misunderstood and ignored verses in the Bible. So look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Paul is speaking to Christians, and he says this, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying work for your salvation. He says work out the salvation that God has already put in you. Work it out. You say, that still seems like it. I can't do it. Okay, but he's not done talking to him. For it, it, look at verse thirteen. For it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. I love that God gives you the want to and the will to do His will, or how I like to say it: God gives us the desire and the power to do what He wants. And that, for me, is a biblical definition of grace. Grace is the undeserved gift of God's putting in you the desire to please Him and the ability to please Him because His Holy Spirit dwells in you. Now, that is an Easter blessing. That is an Easter blessing. Now, that means if you're here this morning and you're still far from God, and you've never turned from your sins to trust Jesus, there's a reason why life isn't going well. There's a reason why your guilt is still on you. There's a reason why you keep doing the same sins over and over. There's a reason why you don't have a desire for God or the things of God. You may not own a Bible. You may not read a Bible that you own. All of those reasons are because your sin separates you from God. Okay? And you don't have a heart. God hasn't created a new heart in you. The new covenant hasn't taken place because you haven't trusted in the blood that Jesus shed and you haven't trusted in the great shepherd who has risen. Well, here's the good news this morning. God can bless you with that this morning. Okay? Now, many of you, if not many of you, have done that. And you know what that means for us? That means we have no excuse. We have no excuse. Why? Because God has equipped us with every good thing and enabled us to do what He requires. So here's my question for you. If you say you know Him this morning and you don't desire the things of God and you don't do the will of God, on a consistent basis, growing in that, not being sinless, but sinning less, then I ask you, have you ever received the new covenant blessing? Do you have a new heart? Because listen, God gives us a heart to read this book. And not only read it, but to apply it. God gives us a a heart to gather with His people and to do so not just on Easter, but on each Sunday, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. God gives us a heart of gratitude and praise so that we don't daydream during the praise worship. We don't look to see what others are doing. We are engulfed in the glory of God. Now, do we do this? No, it's a fight. It's a fight because we still have a sin nature. Right? But the good news is when that sin nature gets the best of me, I go back to the blessing and say, No, God, you are working in me to desire and to do what you want. So, if you're a believer this morning, Where's the blessing in your life? What's hindering? If you claim to have received, the blessing is given in Christ when you accept Him. The Spirit comes. The new heart is given. His will is written on your heart. Why is there a disconnect in your life? Well, here's the good news. God is a God of peace, and He wants to reconcile you to Himself today. But you need to confess where you're at, And what's hindering His blessing from being worked out in your life? Because God's grace is at work. So, how do I receive this blessing? We've seen the basis. We've seen the benefits. Where is the bestowal? How do we get the blessing? Number three, the blessing is received through Jesus, who God... Actually, it should be whom, shouldn't it? Whom God raised up for His glory. The blessing is received. Look at the ble- look at look at these verses again, twenty through twenty-one. The writer just can't go very far before he says, "Through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord." Verse twenty-one, through Jesus Christ. So let me give you three three things to do. Three things in order to receive this blessing. Number one, trust in the blood sacrifice of the crucified Lamb of God. Trust in the blood sacrifice of the crucified Lamb of God. Because it's through His blood that the covenant was sealed, and it's through His blood that your sins are forgiven, and it's through His blood that the law is written on your hearts. Confess that you're a sinner and trust in the crucified Lamb of God. But number two, having done that, and many of you have done that, now obey the sure word of the risen great shepherd king. See, this is where the blessing gets hindered. God has equipped us and enabled us, but we still have to take hold of that and obey it. That's why he's a shepherd. And that means he's walking, guiding, speaking. And what did Jesus say? I am the good shepherd, my sheep, hear my voice and follow. So if we claim him to be our... See, what happens is we reduce all our understanding of Jesus into words that we first learned when we got saved. He's my Savior. He's my Savior. Jesus is my Savior. That's wonderful. But you know what else is he? He's your Lord. And not only your Lord, but He's your shepherd king. And so He is speaking to us through His Word, through His Spirit. And if you know Him, then we need to be following Him and obeying. His. And we've said in our study of Hebrews again and again, He says, Today, if you hear my voice, do not do what? Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. And then number three, and I want to end with this. Seek to be a blessing to others, just as God has blessed you. Beloved, God didn't bless us simply to bless us. God blessed us to be a blessing to others. You know what's interesting about verses 20 and 21? They're sandwiched between two exhortations. The first exhortation is in verse 19 where he says, pray for me. And the second exhortation is in verse 22 where he says, listen to my word of exhortation, which is this whole book. So what, what what's that telling us? There's two things you want to do. To be a blessing to others, pray this blessing on them. And what I have in your notes is I have that written out as a prayer of blessing that you can pray on the people unsaved people, pray that God would equip them, that God would save them. Pray pray this on your spouse. Pray this over your children. Pray this over one another. I would love for you to pray it over me. Would you pray that God would bless me? I pray that God bless you and us as a church. Wow. Wow. And then, so persevere in praying this blessing on others. And then number two, persevere in applying the word of the shepherd to your life so that you can be... Listen, if you're not obeying the shepherd, you're not being a blessing to the people around you. It's that simple. But the good news is, God has equipped you and enabled you to do His work. Isn't that cool? So I bless you in the name of the Lord. And I give you a prayer of benediction. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as the God of peace, through the blood of your eternal covenant, that blood by which you raised Jesus from the lowest depths to set him on the highest heights next to your throne that rules over all. God, I pray that the great shepherd of the sheep, the great shepherd that you raised up, that you would equip your people today, everyone in this room, I pray that you would equip them with every good thing to do your will and that you would work in every person here, that you would work in them, that they might do what is pleasing in your sight. And Father, as this blessing ends, all the glory goes to you. Because you're the one who's done it all. We, You are the blesser. <laughs> we are the blessed. In order to be a blessing. So I pray that we would be a blessing. And we would worship you upstairs. With hearts that are full of praise and gratitude. And this week we wouldn't forget. That we have been blessed to be a blessing. And Father may we hear your voice and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, be blessed this Easter. Good things from Jesus.